at the time I did not want to be here. I cried the day I got my application or my acceptance letter. Uh, but it turns out to have been the best decision I could have made. Welcome to WCSU 411, a podcast about interesting people and achievements at Western Connecticut State University. I'm Paul Steinmetz, and today we are recording in the basement of Whitehall with Allison Voss, one of our student superstars. Allison graduated in May and was awarded a Fulbright scholarship. So you're pretty happy about that, right, yes, Allison? Yes, very, very happy, very excited. <laughs> How do you go about getting a Fulbright scholarship? Uh, so there's a whole process, and uh, thankfully Westcon has a committee that I worked with to go through the process. So first it was deciding that I wanted to apply. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went on the website, the Fulbright, the official government website, kind of looked around for more information. They had a webinar that I took part in that was a question and answer, got more information that way. Uh, and then I came on campus and I spoke with Dr. Cook and then Dr. Whittemore, who is the chair of the committee. Um, and they both sat down with me and helped me, you know, flesh out where I wanted to apply and why I wanted to apply for Fulbright. And then I worked with the whole committee through my application, um, which was a series of there were two big essays, four mini essay questions, a whole application with, you know, what have you done? What presentations have you given? What are your awards and merits? So I filled that all out and then uh, ended up, after many, many revisions, uh, clicking submit and crossing my fingers. And what are you going to be doing on your Fulbright scholarship? Uh, so I'll be working to teach English over in Estonia. Mm-hmm. So uh, I got my placement the other day. So I will be in Tallinn, which is Estonia's capital city. Great. And uh, I'll be working for Foundation Innove, which is a nonprofit organization in the education sector. So I'm not sure exactly what I'll be doing there yet, uh, but they oversee the Tallinn European School, which is nursery through secondary ed. Uh, and they do uh, multicultural, multilingual uh, studies for like diplomats' children. That's interesting. So I'm hoping that I'll be in that school, like working with the children and all of that. But the whole foundation also oversees international comparative studies and curriculum development and teacher training. So it's really got everything that I'd love to observe and learn more from. Mm-hmm. So you were an education major here with an English um, concentration, right? Yes, that I was. And. Is this kind of like a charter school then there that you're going to be at? Or is it part of the government uh, uh, system for education? That I'm not sure about. That that I'm not sure. And how did you pick Estonia? Uh, (laughs) So I know I want to go into some sort of international education studies and policy down the road. So when I decided I wanted to do a Fulbright and I wanted to do the English teaching component, I went on their website and pulled up a list of every uh, country they offer a Fulbright to. And I kind of went through and (laughs) color-coded it, it, sorted it uh, into a few different categories. So I immediately knocked out anything that had a language requirement because I wasn't ready to commit to having the language skills. Uh, And then I went through and I tried to look for something that might offer me an elementary school placement. I also looked at country's international uh, test scores. So uh, Taiwan and Estonia came to the top of that bunch because I was hoping to find a country that I could learn from while simultaneously working in it. 
and Estonia has a great education system. And then I was looking at uh, Taiwan and Estonia's candidate profiles again, and Taiwan's, they were looking for 60 to 80 students. If you speak English, you know, come help us out. And that was about the extent of it. And then Estonia's was looking for one or two students who we want you to be immersed in the culture and the community. We want you to also do like American history kind of lessons and culture and really do more dynamic programming. And that just sounded so much more like what I wanted to do. So Estonia was it. Hmm. And how many, uh, so they accepted 80 students at uh, Taiwan? Roughly, and, yeah. I don't know the exact number, but. And one in Estonia. So they actually ended up accepting two of us. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that. Last year there was only one position, so they said they were only doing one this year. I guess they ended up doing two of us. But uh, yeah, the other girl I've gotten in touch with, she's from Tennessee, and she'll be located in Narva, a different city in Estonia. So I'm really excited to have someone from the States who's also going and can kind of talk with a little here and there. Yeah, is she a, a recent graduate also? Yeah, she graduated this year uh, with, I believe, some sort of art degree. No kidding. So weren't there um, professors and others, people with advanced degrees applying for this position too? I believe so, yeah. So you beat them all out. (laughs) Yes, I guess so. (laughs) And what did your family think when you said, oh, I'm going to apply for this uh, position where there's one or two openings versus the one in Taiwan where there's 80? At the first, they were definitely like, okay, you're crazy. Why are you doing this? But they know that I apply for what I want and hope for the best. So they said, you know what, if that's really what you want, go for it and see if you get it. So So on campus here, everybody knows that Chris Cook, our political science professor and director of the honors program, which you're in, his heritage on his father's side is from Estonia and he talks about it all the time and he influences students. Isn't that really why the reason you're going to Estonia? Uh, Actually, it really isn't. Uh, I heard him talking about it a lot, which did raise my awareness that the country existed Hmm. because prior to meeting him, I had no clue that Estonia was even a country. But when I started the application program process, I said, there's no way I'm going there. I don't know the first thing about the country other than Dr. Cook is from there. And, you know, I'm not just going to apply to Estonia because everyone else has gone there. And it was just the strangest fluke when I went through the whole process of selecting which country Estonia ended up being my top pick. So. It is a coincidence because I think WestCon has had five Fulbright scholars as students, and I think four of them have gone to Estonia. It sounds right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're sure about that, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, for those who don't know, a Fulbright scholarship is sponsored by the state, U.S. State Department. It sends students to other countries around any country around the world, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a. Uh... Founded post-World War II with some of the war funds uh, when they got uh, reallocated to promote cultural relationships between different countries. And that way Americans can go to other countries and see that country in their ways a little bit more. And they also get to meet an American and learn more about us. So you think you'll be able to learn some of the culture and society there? That's definitely my hope. Uh, I'll be spending two months in Indiana this summer at Indiana University learning the Estonian language. So hopefully that'll help a lot. And then I definitely want to tour around the country. And Dr. Cook, now that I've gotten in, has been so excited and has been telling me about this festival and that festival and this movie screening and this museum. So I'm really excited to go see those and really experience it. So there is stuff to see in Estonia. It's not just a little um, grease spot on the map, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, very up there with technology and cutting edge and all of that. Uh, From my understanding... 
there's something about free Wi-Fi in the entire city of Tallinn and mm. stuff like that. So there's definitely, they have things to do. And uh, especially, <laughs> so Estonia in the dead of winter only has six hours of daylight mm. um, a day, sunlight a day. So they do, Dr. Cook was saying, a lot of things to try and combat that and to get people out of their houses. So they'll do blacklight movie festivals or uh, like music concerts, stuff like that, just to get people out and still active during those winter months. Yeah, it's pretty close to the Arctic Circle, right? Near Finland and Yeah, Finland, Russia, Russia Baltic Sea. It's up there. <laughs> <laughs> but right now it must be, uh, there's a lot of light, right? Or will be soon. Yeah. In the, at the summer solstice, I believe it was 19 hours of sunlight a day. So wow. it, both ends of the spectrum. Mm. And you'll see both of them, right? I won't be there in June, July, unfortunately. I'll go out end of August. Oh, okay. So. We're pretty close. But yeah. <laughs> and so what are your career goals, Allison? Uh, so currently obviously the Fulbright, and then I'd like to come back and get teaching experience. I, with my elementary certification, I really want to spend some time in the classroom and really developing those skills. But then long term, I would love to go into international education and policy. Uh, I've been looking into master's programs for international education where I can see what kind of education systems different countries have and compare them and see what works and what doesn't work and why. Uh, and see, you know, maybe what is a different country doing better that we can take back to the states to help improve our education system? And then from there, go into policy uh, for the U.S. to try and help improve our education system or go into something more like the U.N. advocating for better education for countries worldwide. Hmm. How did you start thinking about that? Uh, I'm not even sure, honestly. Uh, I've always, always wanted to be a teacher. So that was just a natural course. And then in the last few years, I've started traveling and really have fallen in love with that and was looking for a way to kind of uh, combine the two interests and keep doing what I love. Uh, I took a AP human geography class senior year of high school, and I absolutely loved the class. And it was all about how do ideas move? How do, how do education rates impact birth rates, impact the country's economics? And just thinking back to that, I started thinking, you know, maybe there is a way to tie this all together. And I started looking into master's programs and found there was. So that's the hope. And you went to Danbury High School, right? That I did, yes. And your dad is a teacher there? Yes. Yep. Teach? Uh, he teaches American history. So definitely grew up with all the history and the background of like, this is our country and this is why <laughs> everything is the way it is. Here's how the government works. So he's happy you're going into teaching too? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, he knows it's a great career. He loves it. And he's obviously happy that I'm doing something that I love. But he is also has seen all the stress and the politicalness of education that can be very frustrating. So he's a little concerned that I'm entering it as it's getting even worse. Mm. And... Uh, your family has an interesting background, too. You're really kind of an all-American family in terms of uh, what America is and the immigrant experience, right? Yes, definitely. Uh, my mom is completely Irish, grew up in Brooklyn, moved, the family moved to Ridgefield, Connecticut uh, when she was in, ele in elementary school, so she grew up there. But my dad was born in Hong Kong, uh, and then my grandfather got transferred to the States for work right around college, so his whole family moved over here. But he grew up in Hong Kong, so he has a Chinese background. Um, we have uh, Chinese uh, 
blood, I guess. <laughs> um, heritage. Heritage. There we go. That's the word. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, he grew up uh, celebrating Chinese holidays and speaking Chinese. So he brought that over with him. Uh, so growing up, I definitely, you know, celebrated the Chinese holidays and heard dad speaking it. And it was definitely a interesting but fun way to grow up. Mm-hmm. And you have some Portuguese from Taiwan, right? Isn't that part yes. of the thing? Yes. So... Um, when I was little, you know, celebrating Chinese holidays and dad speaking the language, I just assumed, oh, no, I'm Chinese. So I would walk around telling people I'm Chinese and Irish. And then probably fourth or fifth grade, my parents sat me down and said, um, so actually we're not Chinese, we're Portuguese. We just grew up in a Chinese culture. So uh, maybe you want to straighten that out. So it was like, all right, life crisis number one, like identity crisis. I'm not Chinese. I'm Portuguese. So then I spent the rest of my public school career telling people, well, ethnically I'm Portuguese, but like culturally I'm Chinese because I have all these uh, customs and traditions. And then a year ago, my aunt went ahead and took a DNA test and the results came back and she was over 50% Chinese with Portuguese, a little bit of Indian. So then it was identity crisis number two. Sorry, everyone, I actually am Chinese. <laughs> You're a melting pot. Yep. <laughs> that's cool. So that's my family. Did you speak Did you speak Chinese? I did not. Uh, I did take two years at the end of high school, but none of it stuck. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> do you speak other languages yet? Uh, I do Spanish, very roughly, but I do Spanish. Hmm. And so how did you, uh, you grew up in uh, Ridgefield, I guess. Or, I grew up or in Danbury. Danbury. And you, um, how did you end up at Westcon then? Uh, so at the end of high school, I was applying to colleges that I wanted to go to. And I and knew you were I, an excellent student, right? So you went yes. to apply to a lot of colleges. Yes, that I did. Uh, yeah, I was top 10% of my class, had all the AP classes, all of that. Uh, so I knew I didn't want to go too far. So I was applying, applying in the Northeast and got into every school I applied to. Uh, but not everywhere gave me scholarships, uh, even Fairfield University, which gave me a full tuition scholarship, is still a private university. So great, I have $27,000 covering my tuition, but I still have to pay 50000 in total to cover like room and board. And uh, I applied to WestCon, basically because my parents made me, <laughs> and ended up getting a full merit scholarship and getting put straight into the honors program. And it was just too good an opportunity to pass up. Uh, at the time, I did not want to be here. I cried the day I got my application or my acceptance letter. Uh, but it turns out to have been the best decision I could have made. I lived on campus. I got involved. I just fell in love with the campus community, and it really got me to where I am today. So what had seemed like an awful, awful idea at the time has been the best thing ever. And you were very involved, as you said, right? On What are all the things that you got involved in here? <laughs> oh, boy. All right, let's see. Uh, so freshman year, I came in, and I joined the Relay for Life Committee, the Education Club, and SGA, our Student Government Association, as a senator. And I really stuck with those all the way through. Uh, also, the Newman Club. So that was pretty much what I did, but I stuck with those organizations and really grew with them to the point where uh, my senior year I was chair of Relay for Life and I was vice president of internal affairs for the Student Government Association. Uh, I went on multiple mission trips with the Newman Club to Jamaica uh, and the Dominican Republic. I also went uh, on uh, mission trips with 
Habitat for Humanity down to New Orleans. And then in addition to the clubs, I was an orientation leader. I worked for housing for a year. I worked in our writing center on campus. I worked in our office for institutional advancement as well as our center for student involvement. So I really was all over the place and very, very involved in many different aspects of campus as well as the honors program. You must have been busy all the time. Oh yeah, I'm not quite sure that I slept. (laughs) (laughs) And you still got pretty good grades. Yes, that I did. I uh, graduated summa cum laude. Hmm. Congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So you must not have slept, right? How do you do all that without, uh, uh, and still study and uh, do the presentations in class? And Yeah, it was extreme time management skills, a few breakdowns, some very good friends, and really just knowing that I was doing what I wanted to be doing, and that gave me the ability to get through. It was not a chore to participate in all these organizations in order to go to class because I love English and I love education and just it was I was learning what I was passionate about so it made it really easy to just find a way to make it work. Did you do all that in high school too? I did different areas but I was still very involved. I was uh, editor-in-chief of our yearbook and I was in the National Honor Society and uh, at some point I managed the girls soccer team like Mm. definitely busy there too. And how many siblings do you have? I have three younger siblings, hmm. uh, two sisters and then a brother. And do you all tell them, are you, they following in your footsteps? Uh, somewhat. The first one's off to college and uh, she really wanted to, she needed a school that was specific to her major. She's doing theology and catechetics. So she had to go to a private university for that, but she is very involved there, is definitely doing phenomenally. The next one is a junior in high school. So she's starting to figure out what she wants to do. So trying to coach her to, you know, go for what you want, but also be smart about it. Like, see what you can do in scholarships. See, you know, what's close, what's reasonable. And then Alexander is just, he's a freshman in high school, so he hasn't even started thinking about it yet. Hmm. But he's very involved and busy in his social life. So So they listen to you when you talk to him? It's a 50-50 toss-up. Depends on their mood that day. (laughs) So, okay. So you... um uh, had a fantastic career here. You're going to have a fantastic um, uh, experience with um, the Fulbright Scholarship, and then you get your master's degree, your PhD, and then you'll come back here and uh, tell us all about it again, right? Absolutely. All right. So we're going to do something new this time, or this podcast. We're going to uh, do five quick, a lightning round, five quick questions, all right? All right. Uh, don't take any time to answer them. Oh, boy. Okay. All right. You ready? Mm-hmm. What's the national bird of the United States? The eagle. That's right. The bald eagle. The huge, majestic bird, right? Mm-hmm. What's the national bird of Estonia? I have no idea. <laughs> it's the barn swallow. Okay. So are you sure you still want to go to Estonia? It's not permanent. (laughs) It's kind of a letdown, though, right? (laughs) Okay. What was your GPA here at Westcon? Uh, 3.96, I believe. Hmm. So who gave you the A (laughs) minus? I want to out that professor now. There were a few, but uh, the first was Dr. Gagnon my freshman year. Really? Mm -hmm. But I walked in, and it was in English, I think English 130, and... He, I think he was trying to scare some kids out of the class, but he looked at all of us and was like, English majors are walk out like happy to get a C in this class. And me being the straight A kid out of high school was like, 
I can't get a C. <laughs> so when I left the class with an A minus, I was over the moon. <laughs> <laughs> Good. All right. We won't uh, get mad at him. Then. Uh, I just want to wrap up by telling you how uh, proud we are here of you, everybody at WestCon, and uh, how um, uh, much we appreciate working with you and we wish you all the best there in Estonia on your Fulbright and everything that you do. It's been uh, great to have you here on campus, Allison. Well, thank you. That means a lot. I also want to thank our producers, Scott Volpe and Pete Puccio, who make the podcast available to the world. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe at WCSU Media on iTunes or SoundCloud so you can stay up to date with all editions of WCSU 411, as well as other good WestCon podcasts, which are not quite as interesting as this with Allison, but they're pretty good. Thanks, Allison. Thank you, Paul.